On today's podcast, I caught up with someone who has been the heartbeat of this football club for over 15 years, a two-time Bob Skilton medalist, All-Australian and Premiership captain here at the Swans. Entering his 16th season at the top level, there is plenty for today's guest to share about his AFL journey. He is a loving family man off the field, but a hard-nosed footballer on it. I hope you enjoy the chat with Jared McVeigh. Alrighty. Why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> All right, today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, 300-plus game superstar, captain of the club, premierships, All-Australians, BNFs, Jared McVeigh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the kind intro, Callum. No worries, mate. Any clubman awards? Uh, one best clubman, yes. Did you? Most yeah. improved? Most improved also. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I thought I had you on a couple there, but um, yeah. You've still got a, uh, a long career left. Correct. Do you it's though? Not, it's, not, <laughs> <laughs> it's not about me. Um, got the Neuer already. Um, 300 games, mate. Does it get harder or does it get easier? Uh, it gets harder. Um, I think initially, you, as you start your footy career, you just try and get a game and um, and then it kind of evolves from there where you start to play some good footy and then um, and then there's a moment when you know it's all about the team and winning premierships and um, you know that's the point we're at now and uh, but it is you know it does get hard I've got to keep up with the the likes of yourself um, oh, mate. I think but you, I think it's you're doing always, fine, mate. Uh, it's always a challenge every day at training which is fun what's the what gets easier what gets easier I think you become more experienced um, and um, you you know you understand what's required at the level, um, and then you you know I find train you know you know I get out of bed every day really happy to to get to training and um, you know just um, you know knowing what's required at the level I think it's easier you know you when you initially start you're a bit unsure of what's required but then uh, you know you you slowly understand what it's all about and what gets harder. <laughs> What gets harder? Um, well, the days are longer. Back when I first started, we were home by eleven thirty most mornings, um, and that was thirty. So good, that was it. So we train in the morning, that? home by eleven thirty, yeah. and then um, so that was probably the easier part back then. But now it's you know we're up early, and then we're here till probably five o'clock most days now, which is hmm. still good. The meetings and that have obviously got more intense and longer, so they're. But I still enjoy it. I don't really find that it's too hard, all that type of stuff. But just the playing capacity, you know, you're trying to – everyone's improving. The younger players coming through, we're getting better and better uh, as the years go by. So you, um, to stay at a high level, you've got to train harder and uh, and play harder. We're trying to keep a straight face here. It's quite, quite funny, <laughs> actually. But, um, well, mate, you finished 11.30 back in the day. Uh, what would you be doing for the rest of the day then? Uh, Can I get home? I get home most of I'm cooked. I'm exhausted. Well, I don't know. We'd have coffees and go to the beach and play PlayStation. There wasn't much. Uh, you know, we just hung out with each other a lot, which was probably the start of the Swans culture was because everyone was so close and doing everything together. If there's one guy going to the movies, there was 20 guys because um, no one really had you know, the younger players didn't have many friends outside of the footy club, so that was probably a good thing that we got to uh, hang out together and then um, slow as the as the game became more professional, um, you know, the harder things got. Yeah, that's completely fair enough, mate. Yeah. That's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to touch base on a little bit about where you're from. Now, 
it might have been last year, the year before. There was a um, in the record. So when we come to games, there's you sit in your. You're right there, mate. You're checking your phone, or yeah, what no. You, what are you doing? <laughs> no, we. Am I not? <laughs> no, no, Stevie. I'm listening to you. Stevie Johnson wants to come in for a cameo appearance for some reason. So he's just telling him to me, come up. He's just texted me and said, "Where are we?" Yeah, tell him to come up. <laughs> all right, so I've, got, I've got your attention now. Yeah, no, okay, you, yeah, you okay, always no, have, mate. No, all right. So when we come to games, you. We, Turn up to the home game of the SCG and the AFL, the weekly AFL record is always, you know, front and centre at right, your locker when you rock up. And there was one round, it said, uh, I think it was country round, or something like that. And it was going through the best country players to have, um, to have played in the AFL. And you were named. Now, can we, can we get some clarification about where you're actually from? Are you or are you not a country boy? Well, the New South Wales Central Coast, Terrigal area, I'm not sure what it's technically... It's uh, coastal. It's definitely not. But it's either city or country, is it? Well, well... Is that the rules? I don't know. Well, when I think of country, I think of like rural and remote. So do I. Yeah, but you're thinking... (laughs) So have you claimed that you're a country boy? Not once. Okay. I'm a coastal town person, so... Yeah, okay. I'll take it, though. Yeah. That segment was going a bit differently in my head. I kind of thought we'd have a bit, um, bit more to chat about. But well, what uh, did you think? Well, you look at the front page of that of that publication. It was hay bales, as cows. You know? <laughs> well, I'm not from and that type of area. No. Horses and cowboy hats and things like that, and John Longmire with a whip. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, let's move on from that. But mate, talk to me. Terrible, did you say? Terrigal, yep. So two beaches north of Terrigal called um, Shelley Beach. I generally just say Terrigal because people know that area. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, from Shelley Beach and um, a nice little area out there, golf course on the beach. Mum and dad just live across the road. Um, so play golf into surfing most days when I'm up there, which is um, always good. What did your parents do? Dad's a scaffolder by trade, so he actually travels from the country down in, in, into Sydney uh, every day for the last 30 years, which is pretty uh, long drive, but a lot of people are doing that commute now. Mum uh, was a hairdresser, um, so she well, got... Interesting. <laughs> she got, that could be the effect on me. Yeah, um, okay. But she now works as a... Uh, a teacher's aide at one of the uh, dad's friends, a principal at a school, looking after all the naughty kids up there that get expelled from their schools and right. they're all in one school and she's a, a helper there. All right. If we can just backtrack to your mum being being a hairdresser, um, when this obviously gets aired, we'll put out a photo of um, some curly-haired tips that you had that you were running quite back in the day. Um, was that her doing or was that yours? The curly hair? No, the, the blonde tips going through the curly hair. No, it's just uh, being from the country. <laughs> just the sun. Uh, no, I just had blonde hair. Dad, dad was blonde haired, curly hair. Yeah. Long beard. Mum's got blonde hair, so uh, that's just where that came from, mate. And then who who was responsible for the for the shave noggin? Was that your doing, or did you kind of get some advice from mum and dad, your brother? Uh, no advice. It was just I'd had the same haircut for about twenty years, and then. Uh, shaved the head, can't remember which year, and then nothing kind of came back. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it had to stay that way. Well, man, I, I think you look great. I think you're a beautiful man, mate. I think you're. I mean, it's unreal. <laughs> Thanks, so, Callum. No worries, mate. But um, <laughs> Mark's got a full head of hair, though. Uh, nice well, one. did. Oh, okay. His nickname's Spike, actually. Right. Because he had. Uh, 
a bit going on with the product. But uh, so the Essendon boys call him Spike, but he's actually uh, rapidly uh, thinning, feathery, like Josh Kennedy. He's feathering. Um, <laughs> I'll just make a note of that feathering. Feathering. Yeah. Um, so he's yeah, just about down that path as well. Mm-hmm. He's coaching at JWS. Yeah, he's a defence coach out there, so he's enjoying his time. A lot of my ex-teammates are out there, Adam Snyder, um, Matthew Nix and Amon Buchanan. So they've got a good little crew out there. Growing up with Mark, mate, I'm sure there's some competitive rivalry in the backyard and it sounds like the uh, Shelley Beach was the wide world of sports for you too. Yeah, the, the surfing, the golf and, and the footy and all that. Talk to me a little bit about your upbringing, you two. Yeah, um, Mark's four years older than me, so you know naturally the older brother, uh, you know, gets hold of you a fair bit. Um, but we loved, we loved AFL. Dad was from Williamstown in Melbourne, so Mark was born uh, in seagulls. Melbourne. The Seagulls. Mm-hmm. Mark was born in Melbourne, but moved uh, up here when he was about two. So footy was kind of um, all we knew. Uh, there wasn't many AFL or AFL players uh, from the area, so we actually had to travelled to Pennant Hills, which was the first club off the highway. Uh, Mum and Dad made a, an important decision for us as kids um, to kind of, uh, for us to be noticed, I guess. Um, there was not many scouts or anything up, up north. So we uh, were to play in Sydney for Pennant Hills, which was a great decision by them. Um, but yeah, our backyard, we had the... My dad actually, um, to help our kicking skills and stuff, he... Turn, used to turn our trampoline up on its end and then paint <laughs> targets in the middle of the trampoline for us to kick the footy at uh, most afternoons. Kind of like a Lou, like, like a Lou's handball. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Five. Was, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so that was kind of a staple of every day was going out the back and, and kicking footies at the trampoline. We consistently have, you know, we had big trees in the backyard like most kids and, um, you know, kicking goals from all angles and, um, but we really did love footy a lot. I was a, a footy uh, nuff, so to speak. Or what, what What else do we call them? We call them horns. Horns. So you're a footy horn. <laughs> I was, yeah, a bit of a footy horn, collected all the footy cards. And um, so, yeah, really just loved AFL from a little guy. And fortunately had Mark, who was four years above me, as I said, to uh, kind of lead the path uh, towards being drafted. I kind of tried to follow in those footsteps and... Uh, yeah, and here we are now. You and Mark are best mates. How did you, how did you cop it when he when he left to move to Melbourne? Was, was, was he a bit dirty that he didn't get a chance to come to the Swans? Yeah, yeah. Him, uh, himself and Lenny Hayes were actually um, obviously the Sydney boys, and the Swans had two picks in the top ten that year. Uh, oh, actually, might have been three picks, and they end up going for Nick Fosdyke. Uh, Ryan Fitzgerald and Jude Bolton. So Mark and Lenny were hoping to be one of those picks, but it wasn't to be. So Lenny Hayes went to Saints and Mark went to Essendon. And, you know, Jude Bolton's obviously a 300-game player and uh, and Nick Fosdyke's a premiership player with us. Um, Yeah, so that's the way it panned out. And uh, uh, Mark left for Canberra. Uh, to play with the Rams before he was drafted. So um, he, he was kind of away a bit, and that was kind of the path I took as well. I moved to Canberra for schooling in year 12 to play with the Rams and um, and then was drafted after that. Well, that's very interesting. But how, but how did you go being the only child at home? Uh, oh, um, you become that, the main man. <laughs> I don't know, you become the main man, I guess. <laughs> um, 
No, it was fine. Um, you know, Mark came back most weekends. We went down to uh, to Canberra to watch him play in the Tac Cup a lot. Um, you know, we'd always speak on the phone, so mm. he got pretty homesick, so he's always home a lot. But, uh, yeah, no, it was fine. It wasn't lonely or anything. You uh, you find a way. Interesting, mate. I actually didn't know that you actually went to school in Canberra. Were you in the boarding house there, or were you a day schooler? How, how did that work? Well, we actually moved in with a host family. Right. Um, moved down the day before school started and couldn't stand Canberra so had to get out of there halfway through the year and I had enough um, yeah. I actually did my shoulder and had a shoulder reconstruction so I wasn't playing footy either um, so that was the reason I was down there yeah. so Arendale College was the school we went to it was a sporting sporting school I guess and AFL was actually a subject for us mate so oh. So for, for the for, footy horns, it was. <laughs> so we, uh, our coach would come in and we'd do game plan as a lesson, or we'd do weights and train. So it was actually it was good fun. I think we missed um, or didn't take part in about forty days of school uh, right. due to just we were playing squash or tennis or basketball, and oh, so it wasn't oh. um, idea. Oh, well, it was fun. It was a fun time. Yeah. Um, but I got yeah, it's cold down there was cold um but that kind of helped me i guess uh living away from home at a young age um to then being at the swans you know it's not too far from home but you're still out of home and yeah that kind of helped me out uh initially when i uh, first arrived can you give us some detail of the curriculum of an (laughs) afl subject like i'm assuming it gets broken down into (laughs) like into segments so is there well we did a level one coaching course i remember that uh, but our head coach would come in as part of the subject and we'd do like a team review at, at school. <laughs> or, or your review, like, a, like an AFL game you've watched. No, no, the TAC Cup. Like it was TAC Cup, so yeah. it was the Ram, New South Wales ACT Ram. Yeah, so okay. we're playing... Uh, did you ever make one of those teams? I'm not sure if you did. Uh, no, I didn't actually. I got cut three times. So um, we'll get on that later. Oh, uh, it's, another, it's another part of the, part of the podcast <laughs> that we'll, we'll talk about. But um, thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, back to the question: curriculum. Yeah, so it was just <laughs> just footy stuff, basically of what of what was going to happen. I can't it was pretty easy, obviously, um, and it was fun. And then it could have been weights one day, so you just go do your weights. Yeah. In between, um, or we do skills. It was um, yeah. it's just training, really. It was just basic training. Yeah. And that was a subject. And that was a subject for us at school we actually had you know the a, a, a lot of the other people were playing for Canberra Raiders um, so they were doing similar types of things um, <laughs> Olympians were there and stuff so yeah it's pretty cool like tests and exams like did you have those for it or uh, no big test oh for, for footy no for uh, I'm not sure no we didn't it was actually they tried to make the school a bit like university you could either it was up to your own initiative if you wanted to go to school and try hard or um well, right. you didn't. So did you so, finish school? Yes, I did finish. Yeah, but you didn't finish it in Canberra. No, I ended up coming back to uh, back home. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. What kind of student were you? Uh, well, I don't know. You'd have to look at the reports, but some would say when he did put his mind to it, he was really good. Uh, when he didn't, uh, probably was a bit lazy. Right. Yeah. Other than AFL, what, what, what was your best subject? Uh, PE. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, well, more, more, more academically, what do what we... Well, uh, I don't think I was that great academically. Um, as you... Well, 
probably maybe English. Uh, English. You know, I love telling stories. Yeah, yeah you do. <laughs> like yourself. Snickers, as we, uh, <laughs> as we put it. Yeah. Okay, so English, um, yeah, English, English and PE. English and PE were my two favourites. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Well, mate, well, we all know you're an extremely busy man at the club, mate. Everyone wants a piece of you. You're like, Macca this, Macca that, Macca get around me. Yeah. Am I, though? Yeah, I don't know. Well, mate, it appears like that. You know, Lingy's like, you know, Macca, Macca, let's have a chat. Come on, yeah. <laughs> Belly's like that, you know. All right. Um, but, mate, you're a busy man at home. You'd be yeah. say, you'd probably say you're probably even more busy busier when you leave the club um, than you are when you're here. You yeah, go home, you got your family, you got... Yep, um, so, you know, most days, if we can finish by three, I can... Go pick young Lolly up from school, which is always pretty good. Um, Do you, though? <laughs> you hang around and play tennis with the boys a little bit too long. <laughs> I have done that. I enjoy oh, Clem, the I've got an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you can always be doing extras. True. Um, no, it's always, yeah. I mean, Lolly's six and little Florence is 16 months, so she's you know, a bit of a handful at the moment, but try and get home and help out, obviously help out as much as possible from, from when you get home, you're on till... Uh, they go to bed, uh, which is, you know, try and take a little bit of heat off uh, Clementine and help her out because she's got them every day. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's all part of it. Mate, because um, we had Reg in here the other week and he we kind of <laughs> asked him similar questions and I said to him, I'm probably at a stage in my life where, you know, I, I, I love coming home and just being able to just have that couple hours just to relax, but I just couldn't no, imagine what no. it's like. And look, that's obviously a great thing, obviously having kids, but I'm surely um, there are you know, pre-season days when, you, when you're cooked. I don't think your, ki- your, your kids care too much that you're uh, <laughs> no. knackered and training. No, uh, no you just got to uh, get through it on those hot days. and uh, But it's great. I mean, they're... Um, you know, they're the world to you so it's um, you, know, you give them whatever you can and my year probably wasn't as hard as Reggie's last year with he actually didn't get any sleep He, I think his little fellow was sleeping 20 minutes a night at yeah. one point so it's like me after a bad game <laughs> most weeks then he he's um, yeah you can imagine that having 20 minutes sleep uh, after a long oh. day at the office wouldn't be great um, for anyone uh, let alone having to come out and train the next day. So we all actually admired what he did last year. But uh, fortunately, my little ones sleep pretty well. And mm. um, But that's all... Uh, every night, something can happen. Mm. Unexpected, but it's yeah. always good. Now, I'd like to chat about fathering fathering strategies or parent, what's the correct term? Parental strategies. Um, one Easter. <laughs> one e- <laughs> <laughs> I know what, exactly what you're going to say here. One Easter... Um, Obviously, your daughter's she's a toddler at the time. I'm assuming, yeah. Matt had a little bit too much chocolate. Can you elaborate on kind of how you handled that situation? Uh, didn't handle it well. Yeah. Uh, start from the start. Yeah. So yeah. obviously Easter's come. Uh, I think it was Easter. I'm not. I'm not sure if it was on Easter Sunday or whatever it was. But uh, she's had way too much chocolate throughout the day, and obviously hyping up, hyping up on the sugar. And then uh, it came time for bed, and. Uh, I'd mentioned there's no more chocolate to be had for the rest of the night. And then the the attacks came from her, the panic attack, the screaming, the kicking, kicking the door, I want more, I want more. And this continued on. And so then I said, come out here. <laughs> then I grabbed the bunny and proceeded to headbutt the bunny and smash it into pieces because <laughs> I'd lost the plot. <laughs> As it went on for about half an hour, the screaming and kicking and then... 
then she lost it even more. It was probably a tad overreaction, but uh, my Clementine was just staring at me going, what have you just done? <laughs> I can't believe you just done that, but it was, in the end, I was just laughing. It was pretty funny. Um, oh, that's one of my favorite stories when you tell that. I love that one. But, um, yeah, I lost the plot. <laughs> Well, what's it like now playing footy? Like, do your daughters know what's going on? Like, do they show a bit of interest in, in dad's work? Uh, not the youngest because she can't talk yet, mate. Yeah. So, no. I know that. Uh, but Lolly does, but yeah. she's not into footy that much. <clears throat> uh, she only comes to a few games okay. here and there throughout the year, but she's at home watching on TV, I'm told, mm-hmm. um, from Clementine. Yeah. But she doesn't really watch much footy either, which, uh, but it's good to come home and not talk footy all the time, I think. Yeah, we get enough of it here. Yeah, right. Um, but no, they know. Uh, she, um, yeah, she's come out in the ground with me a few times and um, had some special moments. Um, you know, when you play milestones or you've had a good win, and the kids are with you after games. Always nice to have them around. But um, mm. yeah, they know footy, but not not too involved. Yeah, one thing I noticed about about your daughter whenever she comes into the club that you know a lot of the other. Um, the boys, you know, the kids are going nuts and going crazy. But your your daughter, she's very always very calm, very polite, always and just politely doing her drawings and, and things like that. Yeah. But she's an Archibald yeah. Prize winner, is she for kids or something? Well, she yeah, she entered the Archibald Prize for the young Archibald Prize, and she got through and won that. So she's now in the museum as of next week, I think. Oh, great! So we we'll have to pay a visit there. But yeah, no, we well, we've I'd say we're pretty strict on her with manners and all that type of stuff but she's a little polite girl and she loves actually coming into the club on our days off and um, just mucking around and playing here but she's uh, yeah, she's fairly quiet and reserved but she's uh, yeah, she's a good girl no it's good well mate I've been to your house a few times just says and it's a nice sight actually to see you you know picking up Barbies and, and brushing the Barbies hair with your daughter and mate it's love it's beautiful you've be- seen that I've you? seen you it's a beautiful thing it's, yeah. I think it's um, I think it's fantastic for a rugged and ruthless man like yourself to it's nice to see a different side of you mate but yes. um yes thank you you're a great father um but it'd be fair to say and the um the the main woman in your life is that you, you you're batting above it'd be fair to say that um have a listen to it <laughs> <laughs> where did you meet clem lovely kiwi girl She's a Kiwi girl. Uh, met her at the Golden Sheaf around your neck of the woods. Right. Just across the road from your place, actually. Uh, Interesting. So met, met her at the Sheaf. I think she was watching the Bledisloe Cup. Mm. And we were uh, we just finished a game, I think. So I was having a few uh, waters there um, with a few of the boys. And that's how, I, yeah, I met her there. And, um, yeah, and now... It's continued on, and we're married with with children. Right. <laughs> Fair yeah, mate. Great, um, mate. If we maybe just touch on a little bit about, um, obviously, a few years ago you had a um, tough situation, obviously with um, with your first child, um, mate. If you want to know if it's okay to ask you, like, how, how did you deal and cope with that? It would have been a really difficult situation. Yeah, it was. Um, <clears throat> we. Uh, we kind of initially knew um, there was she was going to have heart complications throughout her early days. Um, so then, you know, you go through all the processes of what's going to happen and then speak to the doctors and surgeons and uh, they, you know, we had scans every single week on her heart. Um, 
knowing there was going to be an operation a few days after she was born. So that was um, obviously pretty hard to cope with, but um, all the signs were pointing to, you know, it would have been a, a healthy recovery um, and live a normal, happy life. Um, but you didn't really know until they kind of got in inside to figure out what the actual issue was because it was hard to see on all the uh, scans and all that type of thing. Um, so, yeah, so we had uh, little Luella um, and then they kind of rushed them off, uh, rushed her off pretty quickly straight away into um, the ICU department out at Westmead. So we actually moved out there uh, while uh, we, we were playing. Uh, we rented a an apartment across the road from um, uh, the hospital directly across the road that they yeah. have for some of the parents to, to live. So that was, um, yeah, so I spent all my time out there, um, just come in for training twice a week. Um, that was kind of, for me personally, it was a good little, um, like just to get away from it all, uh, just for a couple of hours. Um, a bit harder for Clementine because she was... Um, still kind of had to breastfeed or um or all that type of stuff out at the hospital mm. but and then i'd kind of spend no uh just sleep beside the bed i guess uh, most nights um for as long as he could and uh, so she ended up having three surgeries in the first three weeks of her life um and then it became increasingly um and that was obviously uh, more than expected yeah so yeah. more than expected so the first time they went in then because uh, she was so swollen, they couldn't actually uh, finish the task, so they had to kind of keep her chest open, uh, which right. is yeah, extremely hard to see. Um, but the doctors and the nurses there are incredible, pe- incredible people watching her twenty four seven. And then um, you know you're constantly asking questions. One thing I found about you just got to keep asking questions and questions uh, as to what's happening. You know you've got to push push the boundaries so to speak and to get all the answers and um but it became increasingly um apparent that things weren't going the way we were planned mm. or wanted obviously um they just she just wasn't recovering from the surgeries every single time and it just couldn't keep happening and um she had a few brain bleeds and stuff like that which um and then I think uh, after about 30, 31 days, she, um, yeah, it was, um, she, we, we were just laying with her and she uh, unfortunately passed away and um, you kind of, you know, it's obviously devastating and yeah, probably one of the, the worst things was actually just driving home. Uh, you drive out there with, uh, you're um, about to give birth and then you, you you know, you're on your way home uh yeah, with nothing and but the support we had um from the footy club from friends family was you know was amazing and um yeah you get you know it's probably one of the hardest things to get through in life but i think we um we were strong for each other and to 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 help us get it through uh get us through um i'm proud of the way we carried ourselves and and you know we're proud of the way she fought also you were captain at the time during that time yeah yeah mate so how did you i could imagine that'd be pretty tough to to one lead lead the team you know obviously having a very strong year that year yeah and also kind of having a bit of a tough circumstance at home so did you find that that difficult or was it more of an escape coming to the club uh yeah a bit of both so that was an escape um 
but I kind of felt guilty of coming here because Clementine was at home dealing with it. Um, yeah, I mean, captain was my first year captain. Um, so I think I've now got that ability to to not forget about it, but just put things aside for you know for the moment and concentrate on the task at hand. I would I would try and hide the sadness when I was here. Um, you know, if I was to cry or something, I'd always you know just quickly run to the toilet or hide in one of the coaches' rooms or cry in my car before I got to training. Or and I didn't want to show anyone that because. Um, I was trying to be strong for the family as well and um, so that was just my way of dealing with it. Um, uh, so you hold a lot of stress with that and then I, I remember one game we were playing St Kilda and I was kind of blowing up <laughs> way too much at uh, <laughs> Teddy like, Richards. And, not like you. And, uh, he, come on now. We've got to make sure you know where you're going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Teddy Richards and, and, and Reggie... Um, and then I just text them that night, just apologising for my actions and reactions throughout the game. But they understood where I was at, and you know I was coming from a good place. And but that wasn't the kind of leader I wanted to be. So I really focused after that moment to be, you know, compassionate for others and make that a real focus. And because you never know what people are going through. And um, so that was one thing that, I, you know, I tried to take a positive out of it. And um, I think that made me a better leader after that period. Um, going through and <clears throat> I was telling someone this story yesterday actually and then you know a year later we had our, our second daughter Lolita and um, basically a year later we were standing on the MCG with a premiership medallion and I was holding her and it was kind of a after the year we had endured um, yeah that was a, a special moment and I've got that photo up at home uh, just of the three of us um, you know as, as Lolly as a little baby on the MCG which is um yeah, you know, a special moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually do remember uh, seeing that photo and I thought it was bloody unreal. So, um, <coughs> but does, does Lolly obviously a bit aware now of um, that she did have a sister? Yeah, yeah she's on, very on aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, we, and, and we tell her. Um, I think uh, I, always, I always get asked, how many daughters do you have? And I once said, I've got two, and then I was pretty dirty with myself that I didn't say three. Mm. Um, so now I make that a, you know... I've got three daughters, and but Lolly's fully aware. Um, she's, you know, whenever that comes up, she always says, "No, no, no, Luella's here. She's up in the sky." And um, so she's, awesome. um, yeah, she's really uh, caring about that stuff, and and she always makes a point of it. Yeah, unreal. Um, and as a father, mate, just to, to, to cap off this kind of, um, <coughs> cap off this little segment of the podcast, you're not done yet. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> Getting a little emotional yeah, on this. Yeah, 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 right. But um, you definitely set the example here at the club for not only your, your professionalism and um, and obviously the way you go with your footy, but what example do you set at home for your kids? Like, what are you... Um, I asked Reg this question the other day. Um, yeah, what did he say? Um, <laughs> I can't remember, actually, what he said. But um, give me some insight on kind of what example you, you want to set for for your three daughters. Uh, well, I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty strict on them, so I always want them to be uh, have good manners and be polite. And um, I mean, one thing we always try and do is, as a family is travel and see the world because I think that's uh, life experiences and uh, being streetwise I think is pretty good. Because <laughs> um, Clementine left home at 15. She actually went 
and travelled the world at, at 15 years of age for for her career. So she's um, her father said to her, um, you know, go and spread your wings, and I'm here for you. And um, so we're, you know, actually like that path and want them to to succeed in whatever they can do as long as they don't change who they are and um you know just try and set a good example as a father and be the best father i can and give them the best opportunity in life um that's what i got and that's what i'll uh try and deliver for them just another one why are you so strict well no we're not strict strict but you know just want them to understand that you know, if you're in a restaurant, there's no, you know, you're not screaming out loud and carrying on like, you know, like you do, like a pork chop. You know, you've <laughs> okay. got to have manners and understand there's certain... So I've got, okay, I've got no manners, okay. <laughs> right. You know, there's certain um, places where, you know, they have to understand the surroundings and, um, you know. Fair enough. Like, we always take them out with us wherever we go um, and, uh, yeah, try to give them good life experiences. No, it's... No, it's- it's true because I do remember coming to your house once and, and your daughter watching TV and your mate had come over and say hello to Sinks and how are you and things like that. So big uncle Sinks. So. <laughs> the big tall creepy yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. You're right. <laughs> but mate, let's get into the um, get into the footy stuff, mate. Your first round draft pick and it's a little bit different back then. You had, you had to wait for your chance and wait for your opportunity. Yeah. Um, probably now you probably see a lot of the first years they get put in it pretty quick and Yep. They want to get them going, but it definitely wasn't the case for you um, no. back then. No, definitely not. We, uh, well, I hadn't played for two years pre- uh, prior to being drafted because I had a shoulder reconstruction and then uh, I dislocated it. So I'd only played probably five or six games in two years. So mm. I hadn't played much footy, but in saying that, I probably wasn't, you know, looking back now, you want to play AFL, but I'll, you know, I definitely wasn't ready. Um, and then Rusey was a pretty uh, defence-minded coach and... So I had to figure out uh, that side of the footy because I was always an attacking player in junior footy and um, as as all kids are, you're not too concerned about defence. Um, so I had to learn that side of uh, the game, um, which looking back now was, you know, was good for me. Um, but I think, um, so, I, so I, I didn't play my first year and then played uh, 20 games, I think, my second year. Um, but I kind of lost that attacking flair, I felt, because mm-hmm. um, I was tagging for a while there for a few years. And then uh, 2007 was a really, really poor year for me. Um, I just lost that attacking flair and just lost the, the whole knack of finding the footy again. I went too defensive, which was a um, <laughs> you know a huge part of the game. Um, so once I got that corrected um, and really wanted to... to um, to not just be a mediocre player, I think it, it you know kind of changed for me from the start of two thousand and eight. Um, yeah, from then onwards, we've had a chat about this before, but I'd like to know your your thoughts around kind of two thousand and five. Um, obviously, seeing the boys win a flag, and kind of your approach and mentality after that game. Yep, uh, I played thirteen games that year and was in and out of the team. Um, so. Uh, when did I play? I ended up getting uh, osteitis pubis was the um, you know the groin the groin issues back then, so I could only play really half a game at at full capacity. But in saying that, I you know I wasn't good enough to to make that team uh, that year. Um, and yeah, it's hard to watch. Obviously, you know your mates going through and winning the premiership um, in two thousand and five, and you want to be a part of it, but 
you know you just weren't good enough that year which was uh you know which was fine but i didn't uh touch any of the guys medallions or i didn't touch the premiership cup because i wanted that to be for for when i um you know was able to to be in that position um and then i vowed to myself i think after that game i never want to play another reserve grade game ever again mm. um so so i wasn't going to miss that opportunity so i you know trained extremely hard i didn't really have a break after that year after the operation that i had and um fortunately got back there we got back there in 06 um and missed out by a point and then it took another uh six years to get another chance and then fortunately we were were able to win it but um excuse me the yeah you're so happy for your teammates um but deep down you you know you shattered for yourself that you you weren't to be a part of it and you're not sure if you're ever going to get another chance again you and me have always had a um not you and me there's actually a fair few boys we um a bit of a term that goes around a bit of fire on the belly um <laughs> a bit of fire on the belly did you get that photo from lismore i did actually <laughs> um any of you out there that are uh, they're in Lismore, um, get down to Fire on the Belly. I think it was a little Italian yeah. pizza little uh, shop that we're walking past. Um, get down there. But Fire on the Belly means kind of something that kind of, you know, gets you going or something that gives you a bit of a chip on your shoulder to, to keep going, mate. But your Fire on the Belly story, mate, um, obviously you had a, a bit of a rough review one year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Jeez, you've got a good memory. We spoke about this the other week. Uh, keep a diary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, end of 07, which I uh, just spoke about. Paul Ruse, uh, in my end of year review, said that uh, I was a high draft pick, being pick five, and I wasn't living up to the player they thought I was going to be at that pick. And um, and he was right, um, but it hurts. You know, it hurts hearing that stuff. And um, <clears throat> yeah, really kind of was a turning point for me um so as i said i trained extremely hard and uh you know really wanted to turn my career around i was only young in my career but still wanted to to turn my career around um and I had a really good year in 08 and won the bnf um at, at, at the end of the year but i always use that uh comment as motivation um you know whenever i'm training or uh stuff like that just to to keep the fire in the belly i guess but yeah. you know that evolves over time um has it i'm though? sure that <laughs> <laughs> maybe it hasn't but there's comment but I, I like to um, look at the bad stuff to keep me on edge I guess um, okay. I kind of search for comments or um, poor articles about yourself just to keep you on edge and um, you know, some you know guys like yourself need a pat on the back all the time and keep your confidence going oh, and a cuddle here and there. So I'm actually kind of the other way, but it's always nice to uh, receive some good stuff. I don't want to make this about me, but... Um, <laughs> but you do, you I will. Know, I know, I know. <laughs> I've got plenty of fun in the belly, mate. You know I do. So I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. But, um, but uh, no, that, that, that that's just kind of how I look at things for me and it doesn't work for everyone else, but that, that kind of works for me. So well, when did you... When did you... Was there a moment when it clicked for you that you knew that you could be a top end performer at the level. Like, was there one kind of? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, 2008 was you know kind of a breakout year, I guess, for me. But we played uh, the doggies down in Canberra, and I played on Adam Cooney that year. I was um, who won the Brownlow that year. I think it was yeah. 08. He won the Brownlow. Um, end up keying six on him, and 
having a really good game through the midfield, and that was kind of a moment where I was kick like, six, yeah, kick six from the midfield on him, right. um, and kind of kept him pretty quiet throughout the day. So that was kind of a two-way game that I'd been looking for, you know, defending really well, but also that attacking side of my game, and that that, that was kind of a a moment. Uh, we lost the game, but it was kind of a moment where I thought, um, you know, just ride this confidence now, and and you can be a pretty good player. It's a super game. It's hard to be defensive when you've got the foot in your hand, mate. Um, yeah. yeah well, so, <laughs> which you had, obviously. Yeah. So, um, you can't make too many tackles when you got it. Yeah. When did you become captain? Uh, 2011. And do you remember, yeah. was that expected for you? Or was uh, it kind of, was it a goal? Or did you, did you kind of, did you see it coming? Did you not see it coming? Uh, I think it was a goal once I got in the leadership group in 09, I think it was, was... Um, it was Goodsy, Craig Bolton and Kirky were the captains Kirky was kind of coming to the end of his career and Craig had a pretty unfortunate injury I can't remember which year that was um, so I knew there was probably going to be a spot there and really aspired to um, to be that guy I wanted I craved the leadership and wanted that role and um, you know, speaking to Kirky and Craig and um, you know, you you're 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 always unsure if you have the players' respect or your peers' respect, and that's what we all aspire to to do. And you know, when you do the leadership group votes and all that type of stuff, it's um, you know, when you do have the your peers' respect, you know, you're really striving towards that. And yeah, look, I really did want it, and um, you know, was fortunate to be co-captain with uh, uh, with Adam uh, for a few years, and and then with Kieran Jack as well. What are the challenges of captaining a team? What, what, what did you find the toughest? Uh, I think kind of you you start looking probably not at yourself at, at all really. You're kind of concerning yourself with what's not uh, sorry what's best for not just me but for the 17 year old on the list mm. and just getting your head around that. Um, and also I spoke about that compassionate side. It was um, you know that was something I really tried to work on. So. Um, I think that really grew for me, that compassion. You know, not everyone learns at the same level. Not everyone um, can understand the game as, as well as other people. So just understanding that and uh, tempering your actions before and really thinking about what you're going to speak about or, or how you're going to react in a certain situation. Uh, I think I thought about that a lot um, and that kind of moulds you as a as a leader a lot better Um just thinking through things, what's needed here, what's needed there. Um, you know, is it a hard moment or is it a, a positive or uh, just getting the mix right of of the message you want to get across and then also playing at a high level uh, but also focusing on what's next and what's best for the team. Does the pressure grow as a captain, do you think, like in terms yeah. of your performance? Yeah, I think so. I always put pressure on myself to play well. Yeah. Um, you know, probably the ones that heard of, 14 and um, 16 grand final um, being captain you don't play well um, you know really hurts um, but you have those days um, you know you're not going to play well every single week and um, even though you expect to uh, sometimes it doesn't pan out that way but you know that sits with you for a long time you know you, I've lost a lot of sleep over uh, over that um, and then people probably don't understand how much it does affect players um you know 
you know people go back to their jobs on a monday and yeah. you know they're back into it for the week and then enjoy the footy on the weekends but we actually get home and stew on it and um lose sleep yeah. a lot sinks yeah. if you're having a bad game or you're in bad form or whatever it may yeah. be um but then i would try to seek out the bad stuff as i said before that's just what gets me going bit of fire in the belly and <laughs> um and you know and try and uh you know get back on and and play well the next week mm. i think one of the hard things is um is when if you have if, if you don't play kind of the way that you want to play and then particularly for a lot of young guys i spoke to them about this that they get home from after a game and they're all man's watching the replay and you're just sitting there and you're like, oh, God. You just feel like wringing the old boy's neck. So. <laughs> well, most of the boys record the game on Fox just in case they have a good one. Yeah, so exactly when they get right. home and then you, a few texts come flying through, yeah. you know, you can tell they're pretty happy with themselves. Correct. Well, I had a chat. I'm trying to think who I had this chat with the other day. I was in the car with someone and I said, I reckon there's two types of games people play. I want to see if you get this right. The games you play is when after the game, your phone's lighting up. <laughs> and then the other games, you check your phone. Silent. <laughs> it's just <laughs> crickets on there. There's just nothing on there. So, so you've been told, you know before. Yeah, even you know. On Monday, if you've played well or not. Exactly right. So, um, Or you know the boys, you know, you're Jake Lloyds of the world that, you know. He, 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 oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. This is the stuff we want. <laughs> <laughs> you know he's played well when... You know, we're not even changed yet, and he's got his phone out checking the stats, and you know he's at the top of the stat board, and he's got a little smile and a little smirk on his face that he knows he's had a good one. Benny, Benny Ronks one for that as well. Is he? He, he, he likes that the, one. Well, he did have a good back end of the year last year. Mm, correct. Um, mm. But yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. see those guys out there, your Callum Millses, your Jack Lloyds, <laughs> yeah, you <know>, chipping to <laughs> himself out of fullback just to get that extra little stat. Your chip and chase. Well, he doesn't need to do it anymore. No. Is that going to have a stat now to kick out? Yeah, you just if run it, out. You just run out. I actually did it on the weekend, just ran out and actually handballed to ramps immediately. Um, I wasn't sure if you can handball out of the square, so I just had to quickly run out. Can you? I don't know. I'll find that out before <laughs> round one. <laughs> um, pre-game speeches, mate. Did you, used to, did you used to go into games preparing something or would you kind of... Because I've always thought as a captain, it would always... I'm a... I'm a prepare a kind of person yeah. I'd have to prepare something is that what yeah. you did? yeah definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. even uh, pre-meditated another thing you have to stress about <laughs> yeah well you can't yeah, focus yeah. on the game it's yeah. like geez, how am I going to get the boys uh, going yeah. here um, off, off the cuff's always the easiest because you're just kind of talking garbage and just hopefully it sounds well And well, good to know mate that's you, what you think you, you know you swear a few times yeah. to, uh, to get it going but yeah, I always just had a few points on my head of where I wanted to go with it, and um, mm. but then you just run with it. You know, we've seen ramps. Oh. I think <laughs> I think he needs to prepare because yeah. um, off the cuff for him doesn't work too well, as we saw in Luke Parker's one fifty, uh, hundredth yeah. or one fiftieth, where he yeah. completely ruined the moment, uh, <laughs> so to speak. It's on Stuart Jew actually yeah, has footage of it, and we'll never. Well, never. It it probably won't see the light of day, but that was probably one of the worst speeches I've seen, uh, nervousness wise. <laughs> but yeah, I think I've always tried to go and prepared just with a couple of things I wanted to get across, and but that was an extra little stress. And then through the week, you might have a premeditated something that horses worded you up on that then you start panicking about. Geez, now what am I going to say again? Yeah, and yeah, when's yeah. the moment to jump in? <laughs> True. Have you ever have, have you have you ever cooked one? Uh, oh, yeah. probably, probably. Yeah. Uh, 
you'd probably have to ask the other guys. Mm. Um. Now I think about it, back on Rance's <laughs> speech, you know when you've butchered a speech <laughs> is when Gary Rowan is turning around and laughing his head off. Because pre-game, I don't know, Gazer is like, he's a very quiet guy yeah, pre-game. Yeah. You just don't yeah. go near him. But yeah. he, he turned around and looked at me and was just like, oh my God, what's this guy doing? Well, his start yeah. was... Um, Where's Luke Parker? And he was sitting beside me and he said, stay there, as if he was getting up, but he wasn't moving. So that was his start. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, you know, the, the Elon, he was pausing for effect. I think that's what he says now, I pause for effect as he was speaking. And then he yeah. just threw out, sorry, guys, I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, great. So we play, I don't know if we played well after that. Who was that against? Because maybe that's the way to go. No, I think I think we we would have won that game because that was when Owen turned up that year. Who and Owen? Oh, Owen six. Owen six. So <laughs> refer to that person as Owen. Um, Owen. Owen came to the club for six weeks and hung yeah. around. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a it was yeah. a winning game, but that was all time that one. Mate, game defence. Toughest opponent. Who is it? Toughest uh, over your career. Over so my career. Can't be like right now. Yeah, no, nah, because you. The opponents change every three seconds now. Oh, okay. Yeah, true. Uh, true. Toughest opponent would be... It's not like it what it was <laughs> back in the day. Uh, it would definitely be Nigel Lappin and Ben Cousins. Um, and probably... Uh, yeah, no, probably those two. Um, Nigel Lappin's running ability and reaction time to the game was incredible. Yeah. Um, and just... He wasn't extremely fast, and I'm not either, but just he ran at a constant fast speed and the ball would be kicked one way and he'd literally be 10 metres ahead of you because he reacted so well and he was so he was hard and he was beautiful skills and then Cousins was more the sprinting long 150 metre runs for 10 minutes and then literally stand behind the play and vomit his guts up and then you'd be like are we going again now and then we go again Um, so he was you know those two their running ability and how good they were obviously um they're definitely the two hardest I've played on. Nowadays, it'd be you know, your Pendlebury's and um, who else? Who, geez, I'm not sure. There's so many young Toby kids. Green a few times. Toby Green's very good. He's yeah, yeah. He's probably one of the hardest to play on. He's you know he's hard and he's a tough bugger, yeah. but he's um you know, he works extremely hard. He's smart. And you know you can you know he loses you in traffic and stuff like that, which is. Yeah, very, very, very good player. Mm-hmm. Your biggest achievement in football, apart from 2012, so more <laughs> of an individual achievement. It's all about you. Oh, there's so many. No. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, geez. Um, uh, oh, probably winning, you know, a couple of BNFs is um, coggy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't like talking about this and probably playing 300 because, uh, you know, three of my very close mates at the club, Jude, Goodsy and, and Mick, played 300 and, um, you know, I always looked up to them and, you know, achieving that uh, milestone with those guys ahead of me is um, yeah, something I'm proud of. The biggest life lessons that your career's taught you? Jeez. Biggest life lessons... Um, or maybe something that stood out from a coach or something that I reckon you, you take in day to day? Uh, oh, for me, I just don't really sweat the little things anymore. Um, 
you know, I used to be concerned if I missed this, if I did that or I didn't do that. It was going to affect me on the weekend or um, – and probably um, – so I've come – you know, I think that comes with experience as well, but probably just try and make every session or something, just try and have a great moment um, and work as – and train harder than anyone, which I think leads you into, in, into playing well most weeks. Thanks for that, Jared. Hmm. You're going down the coaching path. Hopefully, you're putting the uh, you're putting the uh, how do I say this wheels in motion. Yeah, the wheels in motion. What other analogies can we have? You're um, putting the pieces together, uh, <laughs> things like that. But I want to know what sort of coach you're going to be. Oh, as Horse says, you probably never know till you're in the seat. Um, but well, I think you know. I think you've got to build good relationships with the players and. Um, can take a lot of the stuff you learn as a leader into uh, coaching, um, as in uh, the compassionate side and understanding what different players, uh, how they react to certain things. And um, so I think that'll be a path that most great coaches have that down pat as um, the relationship building side of things. And look, I love. Um, yeah, you know, I love all the meetings that we do. Actually, like I get into that stuff um, a lot and try and figure out ways to to manipulate the opposition. So I'd I'd like to be an attacking an attacking coach. <laughs> I thought you were going to say manipulate teammates. <laughs> <laughs> no, manipulate sorry, the uh, the yeah, opposition sorry. game plan wise, Callum. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, mate, let's get into the serious stuff. Yeah, it's to been finish. too serious. It's been very serious, actually, but. You drive a beautiful car. <laughs> <laughs> You've got um, a Mercedes. What kind of what, what model is that? Uh, GLC or E, I think. Well, whatever it is, mate. It, it, it looks like the Batmobile. Um, I think it's. A- I think Dan Henry. We bought it at the same time. We got the two for one deal. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I think. I think <laughs> and then he wants I, to get rid of his. I've got a, yeah, we've got a story about Hannah's on that. He, um, he bought his car, and then there's a word going yes. around that. Oh, it's true. Word going around that a week before the car arrived, he's gone up the bloke and been like, oh, I don't want it anymore. And the guy's like, mate, it's on the way to your house. <laughs> that is true. Oh, that is so, true. We, yeah, we've got the same car. But your car's in the shop at the moment. Um, yep. What are you driving around in? Well, my mother-in-law was driving the car over from New Zealand yeah. and uh, someone was on the phone and ran up the back, unfortunately. Everyone was everyone's safe though. Okay. Um, so I obviously with the insurance goes into the shop last week and then I've got a now got a pretty fully sick uh, <laughs> Mitsubishi Lancer with a spoiler. <laughs> well, mate, you do have a bit of uh, Vin Diesel about you, Fast and Furious. <laughs> bit, of, bit of drifting. It's not that quick, though. Bit of drifting. So, uh, well, the boys have certainly got a, a, a decent laugh, um, Sandy. Rock up in the spoiler. Or... Have they, though? Because yeah. I've only had it for a day, so they actually haven't seen it yet. No, they have. They <laughs> oh, have, have they? They have. Yeah, they have. Yeah. They've seen it. They've seen you lurking around doing, hall, laps. doing laps of Hall Street Bondi, um, <laughs> you know, as you do, and parking it outside Bill's Cafe and, you know. Because <laughs> you're always there. Just getting there, am I? Um, <laughs> speaking of cars, is this true? Did you buy a hearse? <laughs> 
Is this Josh Kennedy? No, it's not Josh no. Kennedy. I can't reveal my source, but did you buy a hearse and uh, uh, back in the day, which is also not known as a coffin car? <laughs> <laughs> You've lost the plot. No, no, not a hearse. Um, it was a Chrysler, I think it's called. Chrysler. Chrysler. A, a, a Chrysler wagon that happened to be black and looked like a hearse, yeah. yeah it, it didn't uh, last long. It wasn't one of the best decisions. Uh, was that pre-kids or... <laughs> Pre kids, <laughs> you bought a Chrysler, like state, like not a station wagon, yeah, yeah like a, a station wagon. Pre kids, <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I've lost it here. Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> sledges, you're known for a good sledge. Yeah, well, yeah, I've, I've heard, of, I've heard a few from you. Is there one that sticks out that you probably... I'll probably we, we won't talk about the ones you've given. Yeah, they're hard, they're hard to say on air. Yeah, <laughs> there's a couple that might stick out that um, that you've received. Oh, I've received. You've received, received or given. Um, Can you help me? No, no I actually don't... Um, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I was texting the boys last night. And I said, look, has anyone got any things from Macker I could ask him? And um, Feathers Kennedy said... Um, Oh, just ask him about some some sledges. Um, so he reckons that you're. Yeah. No, I, I love chatting out there, but um, just trying to remember a few. There's, <laughs> there was one in the final last year that we probably can't say on air. No, no, no. We'll, we'll <laughs> um, keep that quiet. Uh, God, I'll have to get back to you. But but one of my favourites was Dan Hannabury. Um We played Richmond. <laughs> Um, and they just made the finals actually and um, I think it was in I can't remember which year it was and then Jack Rewalt said to him uh, see you uh, in the finals and Dan said no you won't and then then kept walking (laughs) and we end up making the uh, grand final that year and they got knocked out straight away but that was uh, a pretty funny one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, now Jack's laughing at us, probably. So Correct. He's, um, Correct. They're playing they're some good clubs, footy. The footy club's flying at the moment. I can't so. remember any of the, uh, the sledges, mate, to be honest. I'd yeah. like to, but yeah, I'll probably, mate. if I think about it, I'd get a few. Yeah, mate. Great. Mate, we'll finish on that. I want to uh, thank you, uh, Mac Daddy, for, um, <laughs> for, uh, for coming on the podcast, mate. Uh, we finally got you on. I know you were so super keen to do it. So, um, I hope it's lived up to all your expectations. But in all serious, mate, thank you for being so honest in regards to your family and all your footy stuff. And, um, mate, keep fighting the good fight.